0: Opportunity for a few for comments uh, a few times during the lesson. And I'll say a little bit more about how we'll we'll cover the book of Psalms uh, as we go. It's been noted that the Psalms are quoted more than any other Old Testament book in the New Testament. Below is an example count of direct, explicit quotations, not just allusions, from the Old Testament that are in the New Testament. And uh, I give the reference of, this, of the man who, who made this count of the Old Testament passages that were actually quoted in the New Testament. And I did, I did not vet these numbers, but I think it would probably give us a, uh, an idea. And that's, that's the point. And the book of Psalms is quoted more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament book, according to this, this man's count of direct, explicit quotations <clears throat> And it's noted that the collection of Psalms that we have can be subdivided into five books. But before I go into that, uh, you know, when we, in this, these two lessons, what I aim to do is look at th- three Psalms as a sample of, of the book of Psalms. And, and I'll say more about that as we go. We'll look at Psalm 22, Psalm 32. And Psalm 35, we won't really get to those psalms until maybe the end of this lesson and then on Wednesday. But you could be going ahead, and, if you'd like to, and read Psalm 22, 32, and 35, and I'll say more about those. But you know, when we, we think of the book of Psalms, there's a lot of different psalms that stand out in, in our minds, isn't it? Uh, a lot, lot that I can think of. Obviously, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Or Psalm 1. About not standing in the in the in the seat of the scorner in the way of the ungodly in the sinner. Are there any psalms that stand out in your mind that just uh, you know really speak to you? You might say that are really good encouragement to you. What's that? Well, my wife, for example, uh, Psalm 103, she really liked that psalm. And, there, there, of course, there are many others. As I said, we'll look at 22, 32, and 35 just as a sampling of the book of Psalms and the different kinds of psalms that there are. But, you know, we, we look at these and we, I think we can get encouragement from the psalms. Like, for example, in Bob and Sandra's book on page 159, they made a s- statement that I'd like to read. They said, the psalms express every emotion experienced by man. They teach us the most beautiful words possible to help us express our emotions. Let's take advantage of the blessing that God has given us by preserving these inspired songs for us. So we can gain a lot of encouragement. We can see a lot of ways to express uh, concepts from David's words and, and the writers in the book of Psalms. <clears throat> it's noted that the, book, that the collection of Psalms can be subdivided into five books. You may see headings in your in your copy of the Bible uh, for these different these five book divisions. They're they're not in my uh, King James World Publishing edition of the of the of of the Bible. But but, you you may see those those five books. And these, like for example, the first two books are predominantly David's Psalms. And what are called the songs of ascent, Psalm 130, 120 to 134, are in uh, found in book five. So the book groupings may help us in, in a way to outline, in a, in, a, in a sense, the book of Psalms. Like if we wanted to find, you know, David's psalms, well, we'd look to the very beginning of the, of the book, or we, if we wanted to find the songs of ascent, we'd look to the end. It's noted that the last psalm in each of these five book divisions ends with a statement, blessing the Lord of Israel. In other words, a doxology, or a short hymn, or a statement of praise to God. For example, and I list out these, the five books divisions uh, in the book of psalms like for example psalm 3 through 41 at the end of that psalm there's a statement blessed be the lord god of israel from everlasting and to everlasting amen and amen and so we have that kind of statement of praise to god that ends uh, each of these five books in psalms and and the, the very last book actually i think it the last five psalms actually end that same way The authors of the, the book of Psalms, besides David, or some of the possible authors, are Asaph, the sons of Korah, Heman and Ethan, the Ezraites, Moses. Wikipedia even notes that the Septuagint attributes some Psalms to Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Just as an example of, of how the, the authorship of the Psalms, like in Psalm 72, verse 20, it says, "...the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended." We could, I could provide a listing of the psalms according to, the, to their authors, but I'm not going to do that. One reason for that is because some of the psalms, the authorship of some of the psalms is just not clear to me. Like you'll see, we'll mention this in a moment, but the headings that you have on some of the psalms, they'll, they'll maybe show some authorship. But, for example, I might see a heading in, in my Bible of a psalm for Solomon. And then a footnote may say a psalm of Solomon. Well, which is it? Did Sol- Solomon write it or was it for him written by someone else? So, you know, there's uh, many different authors maybe that we know like Moses or David and others, Asaph. But there's some maybe that could be this or could be that. But just there are, the psalms are a compilation of, of books uh, by a number of different authors. One thing's for sure. Whenever an inspired New Testament writer assigns an author to a psalm, that settles the question, doesn't it? For example, and I have some listing on the board here for those who who may just be hearing the audio, uh, I've got a list of several passages where a New Testament writer said, so-and-so wrote this psalm. So we know for sure, regardless of the heading uh, over the psalm. Acts chapter 2, verse 25, in reference to Psalm 16, for David speaketh concerning him or in acts 13 verses 35 and 36 again about psalm 16 for david after he had served his own generation so here's uh, the, the writer is talking about someone and so the, the new testament writer saying well basically it's not david that he's talking about da- david would have written it but it's not talking about him himself or in luke chapter 20 verse 42 quotes uh, quote psalm 110 verse 1 david himself saith in the book of psalms And so, again, one thing's for certain. When we have a New Testament writer saying that a certain man wrote this psalm, uh, that is for sure, for sure. And we have the titles over the psalms. 116 of the 150 psalms have titles. Steve has mentioned, uh, made a comment about the titles of the psalms in in a recent lesson. Are the titles original? That's a good question. I've got uh, in my chart, I've got uh, in the notes, of this chart if you've got a copy of the charts or I can give you my, my notes. But I've got some, uh, some web links to some discussions about the titles. And, you know, some say that they're uh, indeed ancient but not original. so I'm, I'm not sure. There's different types or topics of psalms. We might describe different types of psalms such as, and I've got a listing of the different types of psalms here on the board. We might describe some as psalms of lament. You may hear someone describe that. You know, here's someone crying out, pouring out their heart to God for help, asking for help, like David, as we'll see in Psalm 22, or Jesus, uh, in reference to him. Psalms of praise or hymns to God. Psalms, confessions of sin, like Psalm 32 that we'll look at. And also Psalm 51, we have uh, David uh, confessing his sin to God. Psalms that are messianic, that are pointing ahead to Christ. And uh, this uh, uh, $5 word, maybe, or what what would you call it? The imprecatory psalms. Psalms that would call upon God to judge or take vengeance upon the wicked. So just different kinds of psalms, and some of them uh, are a blend of themes. For example, we'll look at Psalm 22, that's a messianic psalm, that is a foretelling of some of the things that Jesus would do, like in Matthew 27, but that psalm itself could be divided into sections of lament and sections of praise. So just ways to describe the psalms. A great number of the psalms are laments. And again, this is just a human way of describing a psalm. So like if we wanted to, to look at a psalm that described one pouring out his heart to God. You know, what would we be if someone categorized psalms like that, then we could know to, to look for those, those kinds of psalms. But a great number of the psalms are laments. One source noted like a third of the psalms could be categorized that way. Another source described that a half of them could be described that way. So there's some judgment calls on how you would describe a psalm. That's just human ways of, of uh, categorizing things in the book. But to help our study of, of a lament, one source described a general outline that they saw in the laments. And we'll look at this as we, as we go through Psalm 22. In other words, here's, you have an outline of Psalm 22 maybe of... Uh, David crying out to God for help, but he's also recounting what God has done for him. He's picturing in, in vivid words what he's going through, and he's ex- but he's expressing his trust in God. And he's petitioning God for deliverance, and then he's praising God. So just a kind of an outline that we might see in a lot of, dif- di- a lot of the different Psalms of Lament. Can you think of some good spiritual characteristics that you see or that you've seen in the book of Psalms? And I've I mentioned some of those ideas here. But, you know, we see David and his great trust in God, don't we, in the book of Psalms. He, he's trusting in God for deliverance. Or like Psalm 119, "Oh, how love I thy law. So there are Psalms that, that praise God for his, the beauty of his law. Or we see the blessedness, like I think one of the Psalms of Asaph, the blessedness of those who obey God, even though all of the wicked around them are are prospering. Asaph knows that it will be good for those who serve the Lord. So a lot of of benefit that we can see, uh, encouragement in the Psalms. But one thing I want us to see, that the Psalms are Old Testament law. Yes, the, the, the Old Testament had major divisions within it, like Jesus said. And let me read a passage here in Luke 24, verse 44. As Jesus was talking with his disciples, he said to his disciples, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. There are things written, he said, under, in, in the Old Testament that are written about me and all of those things are going to be fulfilled. Things that were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So there's some, some things... In those areas of the Old Testament that foretell of me, Jesus said. And, and I'm, I fulfilled them. I'm fulfilling them. But as, note as Jesus shows us in John chapter 10 that the Psalms, I understand these divisions, categories you might say of the Old Testament. But Jesus shows us in, Psalm, in John 10 that the Psalms were part of the Jews' law. In John chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, Jesus answered them and said, Is it not written in your law, I said, are gods. And he called them gods. And if he called them gods, and to whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. So Psalm 82, verse 6, was a part of the Jews' law. The Psalms are Old Testament law. Jesus said the scripture cannot be broken. In other words, that Old Testament law, the Psalms were authoritative. Nothing's going to, as Jesus said, there are things written about me in the Psalms that that I fulfilled. They're going to happen. They're authoritative, just like the other parts of the Old Testament were authoritative. The Psalms were authoritative. Any comments or questions you have? And we'll say more about that as we go. About the inspiration of the Psalms, Holy Scripture was God-breathed, or is God-breathed, or was God-breathed. God, I don't believe God simply oversaw the writing of Scripture, whatever it might be. Our New Testament, and Steve commented in the radio program, program this morning about inspiration of Scripture. I don't believe God simply just oversaw the writing of Scripture, you know, and, you know, hey, he looked over the shoulder of the guy that was writing, and said, oh, I guess, I guess that'll do. He didn't just oversee it, but the Scriptures themselves were God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 all Scripture is breathed out by God. The Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for doctrine, teaching, reproof, and correction, and training in righteousness. Just as an illustration, 1 Corinthians 2.13, Paul said as he was describing his, his gospel and his, his letter, he said, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. You know, Paul said, I'm not teaching the words that man taught me, but I'm teaching the words that the Holy Ghost taught him. So the Holy, Paul said the Holy Spirit taught in words. If the scriptures are inspired of God, why do the different writers, like David, you know, we're, we're looking at the Psalms, why does, why, why does it sound distinct? You know, David's writings sound dis, distinct from Paul's writings. You know, if, 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 they're, if it's all inspired of God, Why do the writers sound differently? Well, let me me give you an illustration. And Steve has used this before. But like if I write a, if I'm writing a letter and I write with a black or a red pen, the writing that you see looks black or red, yet I'm the one that wrote those words. I'm writing with a red pen, it looks red, but I wrote them. I'm writing with a black pen, it looks black, but I wrote those words. When the Spirit wrote with David, we might say, it looks David. When the Spirit, Holy Spirit wrote with Paul, it looks Paul. He was writing with, with Paul or writing with David. So, uh, but yet the Holy Spirit himself chose the words. As we saw in 2 Timothy 3.16, the scriptures are God-breathed. God breathed the scriptures. He gave the men the words to write. A psalm may be an expression of, God, of David's heart to God, a cry for help, a confession of sin. But you might, we might say that when the pen hit the paper... The Holy Spirit had David write the words that we have recorded. The words that we see in the book of Psalms are the Holy Spirit's words. The the, the words that the Holy Spirit wanted us to have. He gave them to David. may have been what David was thinking, but okay, so the Holy Spirit said, David, basically, write those words. So the Holy Spirit, they gave him the words. Like in Mark 12, verse 36. For David himself said, by the Holy Ghost. So he said it. But it was said by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit pushed his words through David, used David as his pen to write the words that he wanted to write. Holy Scripture is God-breathed. For example, let me just give you some other illustrations. You know, someone says, well, you know, the book of Psalms, you know, it's David crying out to God. But it's inspired. And we see other examples of this kind of questions in our mind, like Peter and Jude. Someone says, well, you know, Peter and Jude, they had access to each other's writings because... Second uh, Peter chapter 2 sounds like Jude. Well, th- whether they did or not, that doesn't matter to me. I don't believe it matters to the Scripture. When the pen hit the paper, the Holy Spirit gave Jude the words he wanted him to write, and the Holy Spirit gave Peter the words he wanted him to write. Sound the same? Doesn't matter. Second Timothy 3.16 shows us that he breathed those words into Jude, breathed them into Peter. You know God knows the mind of man. He knew that for example just some other examples. You know Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 2 Timothy 4, you know bring the coat. Or in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 40, I think I have the spirit of God. You know so the Holy Spirit knows what's in the mind of man. So when if when we reconcile passages like that or Luke, you know Luke is researching. So when we reconcile passages like that with 2 Timothy 3:16 we, we What do we we get? Well, we we get the idea from 2 Timothy 3.16 that says that the scriptures God breathed that when the Spirit knew that Paul needed that coat, okay, Paul write those words, and bring the coat. (laughs) So the holy scriptures are inspired of God. He knew the mind of men. What Paul believed or what Paul wanted or what Luke did in research. You know, as I research something, you know, my vocabulary may increase as I'm researching and learning and studying. Okay, so the Holy Spirit can use that increased knowledge of that man, but he gave him the words. 2 Timothy 3.16. We've got to harmonize any question like that, like in the book of Psalms, with 2 Timothy 3.16. The scriptures are breathed out by God. Paul said the Holy Spirit taught in words. Because, but because the Psalms are Old Testament law, some sentiments and statements within the Psalms would not be appropriate, I do not believe, for a Christian to sing or to pray. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm, what I'm trying to say. And, and this would apply to any passage in the Old Testament. Like, for example, Hebrews 11 verse 6 shows us that, we've got, that I've got to have faith. You've got to have faith to please God. Without faith it's impossible to please him. So I've got to have faith. And in the book of in chapter eleven of Hebrews, we have so many examples of faith. So we could look back to the book of Genesis, Genesis twenty-two, and use Abraham as an example of faith. You know, here's Abraham. He was given a tough command to, to offer his only son Isaac on the altar. He was given a tough command, but we see that Abraham trusted God. He obeyed God. We can trust and obey God. So we can see that example of faith. But I I can't use the book of Genesis, Genesis 22, to show, hey, you need to offer your only son. You know, you can can marry two women like Abraham did. Or you you need to offer animal sacrifices. You know, so we can see their example of faith and follow their example of the faith, but we're not under their law. We're not under Abraham's covenant. On the the book of Psalms, just another example of the use of Old Testament Scripture. We should be humble, 1 Peter 5. We should trust and obey God, Hebrews 13. And I've got these passages on the board. We should praise God, Hebrews 13. The Psalms of David can help us express these concepts to God about trust and faith. But we can't say, we can't, again, we can't use, just like we can't use Genesis 22 to teach others or to sing to others or, or teach others, hey, you need to offer an animal sacrifice. You need to offer your son. Now, he's an example of faith, but he's, that's not our law. The Psalms are, show us a lot of different good concepts and encourage us in many ways, many ways. But they're not our law. We can't say, well, and like Psalm 33 verse 2 says, hey, let, let's all praise God on an instrument of ten strings. We shouldn't sing that. We shouldn't teach others, hey, you need to praise God on an instrument of ten strings, Psalm 33. No, it's old covenant law. Yes, we can gain a lot of different uh, uh, helps from the book of Psalms, but it's not our law. We can't uh, sing or or teach others like Psalm 20, verse 3, accept our burnt offering, Lord. (laughs) I'm going to go offer an animal sacrifice. Or in Psalm 144, verse 1, you know, David said that God taught his hands to war. I, I shouldn't teach others that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't sing that. I should, or if there was a passage in the book of Psalms about worshiping on the Sabbath, I shouldn't use the book of Psalms to show, hey, we need to worship on the Sabbath. You know, again, there are a lot of expressions or concepts in the Old Testament. We can use Abraham. We can use Noah. We can use things that David said. But we've got to remember they are inspired of God, they're old te- but they're Old Testament law. Everything in the Psalms, everything in Genesis, that's Old Testament law. A lot of good examples, a lot of good teaching that we can gain from it to show us you know, you know, how we need to trust and obey. They trusted and obeyed God and, and uh, followed the, the, uh, the law they were given. We need to trust and obey God, just like Abraham, just like Noah, with the law that we're given. But I can't worship on the Sabbath and bind it, bind it like that. Or I can't offer animal sacrifices and bind it uh, like it was given to to Noah, or I mean Moses or Abraham. Remember, John 10, verse 34 and 35, Jesus told the Jews, It's written in your law, Psalm 82, verse 6, I said, You're gods. The Psalms are a part of the law of Moses, they're not our law. Not our law. And remember in Hebrews 7, verse 12, that the law changed. We're not under the old covenant. We're not under the, any kind of a covenant that was before Moses. We're under the new covenant law, the New Testament law of Christ. And for the remainder of our overview of Psalms, what we're going to do is we're going to consider Psalm 22. It's a psalm of lament and praise, and it's a messianic psalm. We'll, we'll look at Psalm 32. And we could also, we won't really have time, but we could also look at Psalm 51 and going along with Psalm 32, Psalms of a lament and praise and confession of sin, or Psalm 35, an imprecatory psalm. We'll just look at, we'll look at those as examples, but any comments or questions on our uh, study of the book of Psalms so far? And we'll look at, uh, we'll, we'll start getting into Psalm 22 now, but we'll, Uh, Probably need to finish up with Psalm 22 and the other two psalms on Wednesday night. So Lorenzo is talking about how that we see in you might say in first person the, the feelings of David as he's expressing these things in the Book of Psalms. Like let me just uh, repeat a sentence from the Bob and Sandra's book about the Psalms. They teach us the most in most beautiful words. The, they teach us the most beautiful words possible to help us express our emotions. So we we see the emotions expressed by David uh, as we'll see in Psalm 22. Uh, you know, he, he felt what he was going through. He, he and, uh, you know, like, so we may see something in the New Testament that refers back to a writer, but then we look at that writer and we see his emotion in, in the moment. You know, and and uh, that, that's the kind of idea that I was uh, attempting to, to, to illustrate that, uh, like, we see a commandment to have faith in, let's say, Hebrews 11. But we see it, so there's maybe, you might say, the bare bone (laughs) of have faith. But then we look and flesh it out and see the emotion and the illustration and the example, like in Noah or Abraham or or David. Um, Any other comments? Okay, in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 may have been written about 1,000 B.C. during King David's lifetime. I saw a report of manuscripts containing Psalm 22 to be dated back to like 100 B.C., 100 BC and I've got a link there. So here's, and the reason why I'm, I'm mentioning that kind of thing is here's, here's Psalm 22 written maybe uh, in 1,000 B.C. Uh, we have it, uh, how do we say it? Uh, a manuscript dated to around 100 B.C. with Psalm 22 in it. But here are some things that we see in reference to Jesus as we'll note in Matthew chapter 27. We see things in in Psalm 22 that are portrayed as what we read in Matthew 27 that went on with Jesus. While parts of the Psalms may reflect trials in David's life, I don't know the occasion, uh, some of these things, like in Psalm 22. The Spirit also has David picture accurately and prophetically the coming sufferings of Christ. So David... There may be a, a dual meaning, we might say, in Psalm 22. So here's David expressing some things that he's going through. as like Lorenzo pointed out. He's expressing his emotion about what he sees and what he hears and what he's feeling. But it's also things that we see from Matthew 27, for example, that happened to Jesus. So pro- it's also prophetic. So David suffered at times for his own sins. Jesus, being innocent, suffered and died for the sins that we've committed. Jesus died for you and I. He voluntarily took the punishment for our sins. Like Isaiah says, by his stripes we're healed spiritually. Although Jesus himself was righteous and he didn't suffer for his own sins, David may have suffered for his own sins. Jesus never he suffered, but he never suffered for his own sins. In that this psalm, again, I'm just leading up some things before we actually get into Psalm 22. In that this Psalm 22 is messianic, it's foretelling of Jesus. Consider some passages about the purpose of Jesus' death for us. So, so here we see the suffering Savior in Psalm 22. And we read about his suffering in Matthew 27 and, and John 19, I believe, and other passages. So we read about that. But let's think more of, about this idea of Jesus suffering for our sins that we're, we'll see portrayed in prophecy in Psalm 22. And I've got several passages that I'll just look at here. 1 Peter 2.24 Peter said about Jesus who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And then it, it goes on to say by whose stripes you were healed. So Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He died for us. Isaiah fifty-three verses five and six, but he, as uh, as Philip, showed the eunuch in Acts chapter eight. Isaiah fifty-three is talking about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions; he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, the stripes that Jesus gave, was get give, were given. We're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So he died for us. Jesus died for you and I. Hebrews nine twenty-eight. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. He's, he bears, he bore our sins on the cross. Second Corinthians five verse twenty-one. Talking about God, he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. That we might be the righteous, be made the righteousness of God in Him. So Jesus died for us so that we could be right with God. The consequences of sin is spiritual death. Romans 6 verse 23. The wages of sin is death. Jesus being innocent of wrongdoing. He, would not, he didn't deserve any punishment that He got. That He ever got. He was totally innocent of wrongdoing. But He willingly suffered on the cross for us. Just I thought of an illustration to help illustrate the idea of someone uh, doing something for someone else or someone dying for someone else. I, I don't know if you've uh, ever read the book by Charles Dickens, The Tale of Two Cities. In that book, there's a, a couple of characters, and one dies for the other. There's this character, Carlton, takes the place of this man, Darnie, Uh, at the death sentence. And so this one dies for the other. One takes the punishment for another person. That's what Jesus did for us. He took our punishment. He died for us. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus died for you and I. So when we look at Psalm 22, we see the suffering Savior, David is suffering, but we see prophecy of Jesus suffering. But we've got to remember that Jesus was doing that for us. He He was dying for us. He was being punished for us. He didn't deserve anything he went through, but he did it for us. In this psalm, I take it that we not only see prophetically some of the things that Jesus would suffer, some of the things that he would see and that he would even say on the cross in Psalm 22. But I take it also those things happened to David. You know, like in, in, uh, it's in, this is interesting, in Psalm 22 verse 16 For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I I couldn't but say that that happened to David just as well as I could say verse 1 happened to David. That David was expressing, you know, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So David was expressing the things that we see in in Psalm 22. He was seeing the things that we, I take it, he was seeing the things that we see in Psalm 22. He was feeling and undergoing the things in whatever way David went through it. I don't know how his hands and feet may have been pierced, but I take it that all of these things that we see in Psalm 22, David was experiencing in some form or fashion. Jesus also experienced them, and we'll see more maybe the details of how he experienced them when we read Matthew 27. Maybe we don't know how David experienced them, but we do. Not, we we can see that I think. Any comments or questions as we're getting into. Uh, this psalm, Psalm 22. Well, Psalm 22 is a lament. The first part of it is a lament, we might say. A cry to God for help. And let me just go back to this, uh, this outline that I, I mentioned that uh, one writer uh, suggested as the, that he saw a characteristic of psalms of lament. And here's someone pouring out their heart to God also recounting what God has done for them, picturing, and like Lorenzo would say, showing you know, in first person, you know, picturing the distress he's going through, expressing his trust in God, petitioning God for deliverance, but praising God. As we have uh, a little bit more time this morning, let's go ahead and begin looking at Psalm 22 in light of this outline, this, this outline to help us get in our mind Psalm 22. So in Psalm 22, in the first couple of verses, David and also Jesus in prophecy. David is pouring out his God, uh, heart to God. He's crying to God for help. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I take it that he is undergoing these things. God is letting him go undergo these things. I, I would just explain that's what he meant by that. You've forsaken me. You're letting me go through these things. As we'll see, David and, of course, Jesus and others know that God is a God of deliverance. But he does allow us to go through things at times. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. So David is going to show us that he actually went through some things. He, God let him go through these things. And, but David recounts what God has done for him. Verses 3 through 5. Thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. And so then David goes on through in verses 6 through 18. And he pictures his distress to God. He shows us in detail, I take it, what he's actually going through. How he went through it, I don't know. But I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn and shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, and, and you know, I just thought of this maybe. You know, as as uh, David one time feigned himself mad, you know, people might have mocked him. I don't, but I, I don't, again, I don't know when he's referring to, or what event he's referring to here. But in verse 8, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from, thy wo- from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Uh, beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouth as a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It, melts. it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look, and they stare upon me. They have part my garments among them, they cast lots upon my vesture. And then David uh, we can see also that he did express his trust in God, like back in verse eight, You know, people are accusing him. He trusted in God. David had obviously been expressing and showing his trust in God. In verse 10, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. So he trusts God. But in verses 19 through 21, we see him petitioning God for deliverance. Thou art not far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. And again, I, let, me, let me point out that David is actually going through these things. God did not act, keep him from suffering all of these things. He was, I might say, on the horns of the unicorn, or, or, or the wild, uh, maybe other translations may say the wild, um, uh, wild ox, I believe. So he was on the, on the horns, he was feeling his bones out of joint. He was, they were gaping upon him. They were uh, mocking him. His hands and feet were pierced in some way. So he's, he's feeling and seeing and going through the, these trials. And we're about out of time. Let's see. Let me think just a second about how far I want to go further on this. But in, in the last part of the psalm, and I we're think we had probably have time they to read the, the remainder of the psalm, is his hands and that feet are pierced Further on this, is a section of praise but to God. In, so here's the, the last cry for help, the lament in the first part, and the last part is praise. Upon him, Verse 22, I'll, I'll declare him. thy name unto my brethren, hands and in the, in the midst of the congregation the will I praise in the thee. First part, ye that in the fear the part, Lord, praise him, upon all ye seed of Jacob, glorify him, and fear him, all ye seed of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred before the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So David understood and knew that God was a God of deliverance. But from verse 1, we do see that God allowed him to go through the things that he went through. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Gapen all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. Forget. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he's the governor among Peter the nations. All they that be fat all upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to, to the dust shall point, bow before him. Because and none can is keep God alive his own soul. We are the seed about. shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness. His righteousness. Unto a people that shall be be born that, ha- that he hath done this. So a lot of different words of praise to God in this last section. Any, before we end the lesson, again, we'll look more at Psalm 22 on Wednesday, good but then we'll look at Psalm 32 here. and Psalm 35 I we also. Had one of any these, uh, last comments you have or questions? And uh, we had good attendance. Okay, well, thank you.